everyone, and welcome back to One on One with the Canon Podcast Show, brought to you by WCANRadio.com. And with me on today's program is Eric Meadows. I am so glad to be here. I'm glad to talk about the different topics that we've actually explored and the guests that we have coming on. And we do have a featured guest, and it is... Dr. Jennifer Underwood, and it is a pleasure to be here this evening with you gentlemen. Okay. On today, we will be discussing host effects of human trafficking and much more. All of this on 101 with the Canon podcast show coming up right after this. Greetings. I'm Samuel Hampton II, producer at WCAN-TV. WCAN-TV is currently looking for quality programming for 30 to 60 minutes. If you have a message that you would like to share to the world, please contact me at 440-836-4591 or at tvwcan at yahoo.com. Thank you. Hello, my name is Shelly Mathis and I am CEO and founder of Shelly Mathis Counseling Services. We specialize in mental health, trauma, and also substance abuse with an expertise in depression and anxiety for individuals, groups, couples, marriage and families, and also child and adolescents. If you're in need of assistance, give us a call at 330-577-8548. Thank you. Hi, I'm Joseph with Power to Become, an executive director with the John Maxwell team, bringing transformational training around the globe, making a difference when it makes a difference. We want to connect with you. Go to power2become.org or .com and connect with us now. You know, Dr. Underwood, I want to talk to you about with human trafficking, you've got people who have spent a long time in this line of work, if I can put it that way, both traffickers as well as those that are trafficked. Uh-huh. All of them have to suffer some sort of post-distress syndrome. They do. We see a lot of people that have PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. Um a lot of what we actually see, though, is more just trauma in general. It's not just the PTSD. Well, when you say trauma, what do you mean? So with PTSD, there's usually something that's triggering the trauma, the post-traumatic stress disorder. So there's usually an event or an outside something that triggers you to have a certain response. With trauma, it can just be something that you're carrying around with you all the time. Well, with the post-traumatic stress disorders that are amongst these young people that grow up to be adults... How do they escape the trauma that they've experienced while being trafficked? It really depends. It's individualized for each person. So some people do really well in therapy. That's usually where we tell most people to start. Um, Some people find freedom in religion. Um, Some people find healing and just time going on. But usually it is, uh, it, it takes like a whole encompassing of things. It's a holistic approach. It's never just a one thing that's going to fix it. Jennifer, can you give an example of therapy? What type of therapy? So again, it kind of depends on the individual. But usually the important thing is to have a therapist that has trauma-informed care. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy, and sometimes EDMR therapy as well. And what is EDR? RM therapy. EDMR. EDMR. So it's a type of trauma therapy that allows you to kind of go back and 
sort of relive the trauma. And each time that you go back and relive it, your exposure to it allows your reaction to it to lessen. So that's regress, regress, regressive they, therapy? Yeah, regressive therapy. Don't they call it that? They used to call it that, didn't they? Regressive therapy, like hypnosis? Probably years you know? ago, yeah. yeah Some okay. of it's it's similar. It's a okay. branch of it. Okay, all yeah. right. Well, well, how does that benefit the, the actual patient? So anytime that someone is able to go back and visit their trauma in a place where they feel safe and secure, it allows them to heal from that little bit of it. So when you say revisit this, the trauma mm-hmm. in a place where they feel safe and secure, while they're going through that trauma, they have to find a safe place in there? Or is it being in a, a different atmosphere and being able to talk about it? Exactly. It's being with someone that they feel safe being able to be open and honorable and vulnerable with whatever is going on. A lot of it has to come from being somewhere in a position where they're not feeling judged for what they went through, especially when you're talking about victims that have been a victim of human trafficking. Is medication involved with it sometimes? So not in the therapy part of it. Mm -hmm. That would be someone who needs to see a psychiatrist for something like that. It can be. Sometimes it goes hand in hand. A lot of times in order to treat the symptoms of the trauma, you do need to have a medical aspect to it as well. So there is life after human trafficking. That's, that's, Absolutely, that's the there's line. life. Absolutely. When we talk about trauma within human trafficking, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that we're faced with? And what are the age age groups of the people that are actually going through this? So, I mean, most people that are trafficked are trafficked before they're even in their teens. It's before they're in their teens? Yeah, it's hard to believe that. But the average age of entrance for males is usually around 11. So what's the purpose of this? I mean, 11-year-old male. I mean, I'm serious. Because I, I don't know much about this. It's well, a business. That's the purpose of it. Is it sexual? Or is it is it uh, for work? Related issues or what? I mean, what is it? I mean, why are they? Why it's are they both? So there's several areas of human trafficking. The wow. number one area that most people think about, obviously, is sexual trafficking. But there's also different trafficking, like you're referring to, as far as people being put to work at a younger age without having very much or none at all compensation for what they're doing. Let me ask you this thing: How have you ever talked to any of the traffickers? Have you ever had to work with them? So I have not. I have worked with people on the other other side of it in the sense of people that have been sexual predators, but never people that have been labeled as a trafficker. And what's their explanation for this malady that they're going through? It's what they consider to be normal. Then that means their upbringing comes into question. Sometimes it's their upbringing. Sometimes, again, for them, it could be a trauma that they never healed from. Sometimes for people, especially if you're looking at human trafficking, it's just a business and they need to make money. It's a multi-billion dollar business. Wow, I never would have imagined. It's that much money. It's a ton of money. More money than you can probably imagine. Even more than drug dealers make. Yes. Wow. That's stunning. It is. Yeah, that, you that have is to really be stunning. a really good drug dealer to outdo someone that traffics people. Well, well, let's talk about a young person. Let's say 11 years old. How does he get involved into this? As being trafficked? Yes. I mean, for most juveniles, it honestly happens through social media or through online platforms like gaming. Gaming? Mm-hmm. So people will be playing a game that's online and they'll friend request somebody who they think is Jimmy down the street and Jimmy's talking to them like he is another, you know, 11, 12 year old, you know, boy or girl. And it turns out that Jimmy is actually a 32 year old male trying to traffic somebody. So while they're talking on the games, their guard is down because they're just sort of focusing on the game. And then so Jimmy starts asking questions like, you know, do you live with both your parents or do you get an allowance or, you know, where do you go to school at? What, you know, are you into sports? Or he's just profiling. Yeah, exactly. And kids are answering these questions because they're not thinking anything about who they're actually talking to, then 
they give away all the pertinent information on where they can be found. So they're either kidnapped or they go willingly? Yes. Most people don't go willingly. So the woman that I work with, Teresa Merriweather, gives a very good example of, in one of her trainings of a child that's speaking with somebody on an online gaming platform. And they make an appointment to, you know, meet up to like go to the movies. But the girl that's speaking to the boy in this certain scenario that she has says, hey, meet me outside the movie theaters. I have my cousin with me. Let's go get ice cream beforehand. Wait a minute. The age, what's the age? Like 11 year old would do that? Mm-hmm. So, and so they get in there and they go to what they think is ice cream, and it's absolutely not ice cream. So the parents aren't with them. That's what you're saying. Most of the time, no. So do you allow 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds to go to the movies well, by themselves? The way that I was raised and the way I raised my children up until they hit the age of 17, 18, I didn't allow them to go yes. anywhere. That, that's just me, though. But this world, I imagine, has changed a lot. Well, it has. And you have to think that most kids, by the time they're even three and four, have a cell phone. They have a smartphone. So they're already growing up being exposed to all of these things. And even as a parent, even with safeguards on your child's phone, or their TV, it, it can be difficult to look over everything that they're doing and every person that they're interacting with. Maybe I'm just more sheltered than others, mm-hmm. but even my grandkids and uh, those that are old enough to have kids of their own, um, they stick along the same lines of, of discipline, you know, watching over children. Maybe I'm just sheltered that way. But the average family, you're saying, are giving more liberties to their children? Yeah, on average, we're finding that now if you want to look at a child that's say age 11 if we want to use the same scenario you have to look that in this day and age in most areas of their life as far as freedom physically developmentally emotionally developmentally sexually developmental all of those things they're really more of around the age of 13 or 14 so we always say to add three to four years of where they are chronologically to what they're usually being treated like in this day and age and when I was coming, I was taught not to talk to strangers. Oh, I went absolutely. To, right, right. And I went to the movies at a young age by myself. Me and a whole lot of us, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'd never experienced someone, hey, come over here. Hey, da-da-da. I never experienced that. Well, because you also weren't talking to them for weeks or months or yeah, sometimes so even years online. It's conditioning. Yeah, they're definitely being they groomed. definitely have internet when I was coming up. Well, let me ask you, the culture that's suffering more with this, uh, being kidnapped or, or brought into this type of uh, uh, experience, is it blacks, whites? Puerto Ricans. I mean, human trafficking doesn't specifically look at any sort of race or ethnic consideration. It's What about economic group? No, not really. Honestly, a lot of people think that it's only children from single families. Usually they think of like a single mom who's working two or three jobs to support her family and isn't around. And those are the kids that are at risk. But kids from, you know, two parent families in very affluent neighborhoods are also, you know, trafficked on a daily basis. So when we see these signs of, let's say, a little Latoya mm-hmm. is missing... Right. At 13 years old, she was last seen, and this took place maybe six, seven months ago. Mm-hmm. Is she probably traffic? That's usually what we assume from our perspective, yes. In the country or out of the country, what you think? It depends. I mean, depends. there's a lot of trafficking that goes on in the United States. I mean— Just internally here. In yeah, the there's a ton. Yeah, I mean, Ohio is, in one, of the t- is the, one of the top five states for human trafficking. When these children are into this profession or, or, or this scenario, and I'm not trying to glorify it at all, if they're into this type of uh, scene, scenario, how long are they into it? 
And when can they get out or do they get out? What's the percentage? So the percentage honestly varies. I don't know that I have an answer for that for you today. Um, They're usually brought in if they're brought in at a young age or even if they're brought in at an older age. They're used until either they recognize what's going on and they're able to get somewhere to get help or someone else from the outside is able to recognize what's going on and can get them help. Wait a minute. You say until the child is able to recognize what's going on. That means that has got to be a really young child. Not necessarily because a lot of what human trafficking victims are exposed to and how they are um, coerced into doing what they're doing is that they get their traffickers get them addicted to drugs almost immediately. Oh, oh I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's one, usually one of the first things they do is that they'll hit them up with like a shot of heroin or something like that. And then at 11, 12, down, 13 years old. Absolutely. And then they are jonesing for this drug more and more and more. And so they're willing to do whatever it takes because they need that next hit. Well, since this is such a large business, how many of them actually escape out or get out of this to be able to get treatment? Not very many at this time. Because just because a lot of people don't have the knowledge about human trafficking and a lot of people don't know where to turn for the resources for human trafficking and they don't have the training that they need. I mean, this isn't just like, you know, somebody on the side of the street needs to know this. I mean, you're talking teachers need to know this, doctors, dentists, uh, people that work at are airports. They, are they willing? That, are they willing to know this? <laughs> sometimes. I mean, they are. A lot of times people don't even know that there's trainings out there. A lot of people assume, well, there's nothing I can do. So I'm just going to, you know, kind of turn a blind eye and not even because they don't have the heart to want to help. They just legitimately do not know what needs to be done. Let me ask a question. You said the airport. I used to work for um, airlines. Uh, actually, I retired. So what are the signals? So you see a child come up, 11 year old, 12 year old, um, whatever age you want to use. What are the signals you look for? Because if it's not the parents, they're going to be screaming at something, won't they? Or are they drugged up then? Usually they're drugged up. That's what it is. I mean, people came through uh, uh Cleveland, in a, uh, Cleveland International Hundreds Airport. of thousands. Yes, they may know it. Yeah. They may know it. Yeah. And uh-huh. if, if, if you do see that, what are you supposed to do? If you even suspect it. I mean, you have a lot of people that are calling the police and saying, hey, I think something is going on. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're giving the scenario of being in the airport, I mean, depending on what your role is in the airport, you can always check the name of the people that are traveling with the minor or as if it's not a minor, the adult and kind of try to pull them aside and ask them, you know, how do you know this person? Where are you traveling to? Because a lot of times people that are being trafficked don't know where they're going by any means. So if they're not able to answer that question, there's that's a signal right there. Isn't that's it? a pretty big signal of, you know, think about it. Even when you're traveling with your kids or your grandkids kids. You're like, we're going to Disney. Like, we're going to Orlando. Or even if you're like, we're going on a surprise vacation. But, you know, you're, you know, kids, they're going to ask you a hundred questions. Like, what's the weather going to be like? Is there a swimming pool? Are there animals? Like, do I get snacks? Like, they ask all these questions. So even if they don't know exactly where you're going, if you ask them like, oh, where are you going on a trip with your mom and dad this weekend? In front of the Well, I'm just saying in general, if someone asked a child, like you're sitting in the airport, just making friendly conversation, where are you guys going on vacation? Even if the child said, well, I don't know, but I know mom and dad told me there's going to be a pool and yeah, we're going to have animals yeah, yeah, and there's going to yeah, be yeah. big, you know, because, yeah. but if someone says, I have no idea and they can't give any specifics, that would be a number one indicator for me. Okay. In my case, I take care of two little Spanish children okay. and that's their culture they're coming from. And I am reluctant to take them out anywhere because I don't want to encounter, are those your children? Right. right. You know, you've got too much going on. And if I get caught like that, uh, you've got the police that are called 
calling to say, yeah, well. Yeah, but one thing about that, though, they will be able to answer. Both of them would. Well, and I was yeah, they would be able to Kate, answer. Kate, yeah. They, Kate, between, Kate, Kate yeah. would be able to answer. And uh, the other thing is they're probably going to look at you, even if someone called the cops, they would attach themselves to you. They would physically want to be close to you yes. because you're their safe place. Well, isn't that the same thing that a child that's on drugs uh, uh, that's being trafficked would do to his handler? No. Really? No. Someone that's on drugs isn't going to want to be physically affectionate with the person next to them. Yeah, this will also, you know, they can't react emotionally. Yeah. A lot of times you'll see a very, like, what we would call, you know, in the mental health field, flat affect. So there's just no emotion on their face. Their eyes kind of look hollow, and they're just not reacting to most of what you're saying. That's a signal right there, though, isn't it? It can be. Yeah. I mean, you know, know, there's always the chance that it's someone that's traveling for, like, their mamaw's funeral, and they're super upset. But, yeah, most of the time. You know, me coming from law enforcement, I'm a law enforcement major, okay? And I was in law enforcement almost, like, 15 years. I really think that our judicial system needs to have a specialized task force, like in the, in the airports, mm-hmm. trained to look for signals. Yeah. So See, that'd be great right there. One of the things that we're really trying to do and bring to Ohio, and not just Ohio, but, um, you know, nationwide and then international, is task force like that. Task force on every single county, city, state, international. Do they have the money to to do that? They can allocate the money to do that easy. Yeah, they can, but do they have the money to do that? Or are they willing to listen oh. to you? Well, I mean, most of the time, once we get in there, we can be pretty persuasive. But, I mean, I think the better question is, can we do without it, regardless of the cost? That's true. Yeah. That's true. Politics always has a way of weaving in and putting a block on something. I so, mean, essentially, you're saying, are we willing to put a price on what people are worth? Because the traffickers exactly. are definitely putting a price on what they're worth. And what is the national government putting a price on? Are they willing to do it, put forward the money, the effort? They are. I mean, they're starting to. Teresa, the woman that I mentioned earlier, is actually on a task force for the for the United Nations and is working with them on education and that's on an international scale, right? Mm -hmm. Prevention, all of those things. But what about national and and local? What specifically? You you know, as far as uh, law enforcement. Yeah, we have several task force in the state of Ohio. We do? Okay. mm -hmm. Yeah, actually we have some in a lot of our surrounding counties from where we're sitting today. Okay. What are the success ratios like? I mean, pretty good, actually, because they go in, they have the training, they have someone that's there. A lot of times if they're within close distance. I mean, we can travel even to the lower end of Ohio in four hours. So if they need someone that needs to, you know, there to help them, you know, as they're going to rescue the trafficking victim, or they need someone with some, like, just a second set of eyes, or maybe it's a 15th pair of eyes on a situation, you know, members of our team are able to get there and do that. Let's say you find a child, you rescue him. What is recovery like for that child? I mean, again, it's an individualized thing. A lot of times the heart, you have to look at there's a lot of things you're dealing with. So most of the time, 99% of the time, you're dealing with the drug addiction. So you have to deal with that. And then after you can get them past that point, then you have to start making sure that you're attacking the trauma that they've went through. Obviously, of course, the first most important thing is getting them to a safe location. Mm-hmm. You know? And if you, you've attacked this and, and you've gotten them reunited with their family and you're working on these problems, how are the, the traumas triggered? How do you get them to talk about something that they have been totally oblivious to because of the introduction of drugs. That's where you go to make sure that you have a really 
licensed and well-versed therapist. You wouldn't want to take them to just a therapist whose specialty was like ADHD. You'd want to take to some take them to someone with very specific, you know, trauma training. And if, you know, in the case of sexual trafficking, someone with a human sexuality background as well. Wow. With a, with a, a, you know, a, even a, on a, visual stimulation, what happened when watching television mm-hmm. and because bam, it, it snapped and something can, you know, can come forward. Yeah. I mean, the thing about trauma is honestly, you never know what's going to trigger it. And sometimes you don't even know it's a trigger until you're in that moment of it being a trigger. Are there other depressive disorders that go with that? I mean, along with the trauma, like manic depressive or... uh, I mean, there can be a whole host of them. Anxiety can be generalized anxiety disorder and be socialized anxiety disorder. It can be depression. It can sometimes look as bipolar as well. I mean, you're looking at a whole host of different diagnoses if you know, depending on what the person's been through, depending on their age, depending on, you know, just a variety of factors, honestly. And how long will their treatment continue on? Is it as long as they're children? What about when they reach adulthood? I mean, honestly, it can have the capacity to need to continue the rest of their life in some way, shape or form. It doesn't always have to be as intense as where it probably was at the beginning, but it definitely has to be where they still have places where they feel safe to tell their story. And as someone who goes through through trauma, they're usually able to tell you when they get to the point where they feel comfortable backing off from, you know, whatever their intensive treatment is down to like a lower level. Can you tell us about a success story? I mean... Without names? Um, I'm not sure that I have the time right now to do all that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's really good uh, to be able Let's to talk hear about, about prosecution rates, okay? Mm-hmm. The people are caught. Sometimes, are they, yes. Okay, when they are caught... Okay. Are they prosecuted? Not if the people that are in the courtroom don't know what they're looking for. I mean, just because you can bring someone in and say, you know, with, um, you know, the allegations of being a human trafficker, a lot of times people have no idea what they're, you know, looking for when they're going to prosecute them. So if they don't have the training, again, it goes back to having the training at all levels, not just law enforcement officers, but you're talking parole officers, lawyers, judges, you know, bailiffs, everybody in that courtroom needs to be knowing what so if they for. bust a house with all these kids in there, you mean to tell me these people are not guilty automatically? These grown adults are not guilty? When they bust a drug house with a lot of kids in there, are they automatically guilty? The drug dealers, are they, if they're there, they will be, won't they? Yeah. Well, they'd have pending charges. It doesn't mean that the charges would stick. And a lot of times it comes down to money. And that's and the traffickers have a lot of money. They do, yes. So they get paid off, huh? The defense lawyers. In many cases, yeah, they do. This is so it's nothing but a big old money racket. It, it sounds like it's something that yeah. constantly recycles itself. It can, yeah, very much so. Well, then, is law enforcement fighting a losing battle on this? No, absolutely not. Once law enforcement knows what they're looking for, they can work hand-in-hand with not only people um, like myself and the rest of Teresa's team who are able to help the victim, then the police and the law enforcement officers that you're speaking about, then they can work hand-in-hand on the judicial side of things. But only if only, say, 25% of those people have the training, then you have 75% that don't. It's not an even balance to get a very good success for having, you know, people well, put behind bars, essentially. Just looking at the 25 that are working, what are their success rate of getting traffickers behind bars? 
I mean, it really, it honestly depends on the county, the city, the state. Um, and I don't know that I have the most recent numbers, and I would hate to tell you something that isn't 100% accurate. Now, I want you to be candid on this. Is America really concerned about it? Um, you, you hesitated. <laughs> <laughs> you hesitated. I think Or you can that, be politically correct and say what well, you Well, I think, honestly, that people are aware of it. I think the concern comes when it hits a little closer to home. And unfortunately, because it is becoming such a large industry, it's starting to hit closer to home. And so more people are becoming aware and more people are becoming concerned. You have large industries such as uh, Apple saying that they're going they're going to start putting on safeguards on their phones mm -hmm. so they can start doing things. You've got Nintendo mm -hmm. that's also making this claim, but they've known about the problem for a while, haven't they? Yeah, most likely. Why did they, did they build a system that would let them interact with so many people knowing that a predator can be part of that? I think sometimes people underestimate the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The power, I guess you could say, on uh, the internet. Wow. Wow. You know, since you're ex-law enforcement, what is your feeling on this? If you were running to somebody like this while you were in your law enforcement days? You remember the movie Taken? <laughs> You, yeah. you become a vigilante. You'd be so upset, particularly if you found your child. Mm -hmm. You would take the law in your own hands because you won't trust the law because defense attorney is going to get it and, like you just said, paid off. And see that? So you would take it into your own hands. You would kill and do everything to hush hush it. Really? Yep. Uh -huh. That's what they would do. I know because I know a lot of officers said that. You know, if their I child admit, was taken like that. I'm a bit naive about the whole trafficking thing. My thing is that I don't want to see a child hurt. I really don't. Right. And I didn't know it was at this magnitude. And I think most of the general public doesn't know it's at this magnitude. When you say that traffickers are actually making more than drug dealers, drug dealers make an extremely large amount of money. They do, yeah. Eric, <laughs> Eric you remember at Walmart you used to have the missing child poster yes, up there? Yes, yes, yes. How Walmart. many people actually pay attention to that? You know, I used to walk in all the time and look at that poster on the wall, all those posters. We really didn't pay too much attention to it. You know, yeah, I don't know if you remember, but some years ago we had a gentleman that we were working with trying to find missing children. Well, we did a program called Missing Pieces. Yes, Missing Pieces. That's what it was. What's that, about 10 years ago? Yeah, about 10 years ago. So and, that, was and, that was longer than that, Eric. Really? Yeah. Okay. So it was happening then. Now I can see the magnitude of this right now because of her. Yeah, well, and you have to think of, just think of where our society was 10 years ago. So if you yes. think where we were 10 years ago, technology-wise or, you know, just people working-wise, and especially, you know, like not to open up a can of worms because I know we're getting to the end of the show, but some of the changes with COVID, you know, like think of where we were 10 years ago when we weren't facing some of the things we were facing and look at where we are now and just imagine, you know, the impact that it's having. Okay, well, let me ask you this. You know, as a, uh, a fighter in the front lines of this. What are your continued plans? I mean, to take back every victim would be the ultimate plan, but that starts with education. But you it's know what? Exposure, media exposure, mm -hmm. like we're doing right now, yeah. on a variety of platforms, digital platforms yeah. that people yeah. can hear this. Yeah. That's what the problem is, because uh, like I said, the last movie I've seen on this was Taken, and man, that was a good picture. That was it. Right. And then suddenly, you know, I meet Teresa. Wow. That's, just, that's why I just thought about this right now. Right. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, okay. This has been going on for a while. Then now when you said missing pieces, yes. man, we did something yes. on that. Yes. Mm -hmm. so and I said, wow. Okay. I mean, to play on that word, it's, it's a lot of puzzle pieces to put together. Yeah. You know, it's the education. It's the prevention. It's the advocacy. And once you put all those together, then you have the perfect storm to fight it. I, and I really think it's more media coverage on this. Okay. Oh, absolutely. More absolutely. stories on this. Absolutely. In, in each household. Right. Absolutely. And then the parents would be a little 
cautious now, won't they? Well, yeah, and also people that have been trafficked that have come out of that lifestyle also need a place to be able to publicly come forth without being judged, you know, to be able to tell their story. Well, Jennifer, this platform is the platform for them to yeah, come forth absolutely. and tell, to tell the story. And we have plate we have plastered everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everywhere. Huh? I said surely will. Yeah, so <laughs> so if you find someone who's a recovering, you know, who's a survivor from this, let us know. I know several of them, actually. Well, if they're willing to talk, we bring them up here. It'd be great to have them. Yeah. I'm sure they And would we be. wouldn't expose them, you know, names or anything. Some of them are pretty comfortable giving their names yeah, out. Yeah, they want people to know about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. five remarks. Um, I just want to say thank you guys so much for having me tonight. It's been a pleasure chatting with you guys. Okay. And Dr. Underwood, it's been a pleasure having you. You really brought us up to tasks at a point where we need to recognize what's going on around us. Okay. Well, that's it, my friends. Again, we thank you for being part of this program, one-on-one with the Canon Podcast Show. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please direct them to canonpodcast at yahoo.com. Again, that's canonpodcast at yahoo.com and always remember for those who live in the past they will certainly miss the future until next time take care